Welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today I want to tell you why you should start looking now for a used car or truck that you might buy three to five years from now. Okay, I know that's a long time to put off a used car purchase, but trust me when I say that this is actually going to be fun for you. So, have I totally lost it? Well, yeah, but that happened long ago. So that's a different thing. However, getting you to start a search for a future used car today really does make sense, at least in my twisted logic sort of way. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. Now, I know you're probably thinking this suggestion of looking today for a used car you might buy in three years, five years, or ten years is just some dumb idea masquerading as a clever podcast episode, or maybe a not-so-clever podcast episode. But hear me out on this, because if you like driving cool cars, I think you'll like this idea. In common parlance, it's known as the new car test drive, or as I like to call it, the pre-used car test drive. That's right. I'm suggesting you go test drive new cars now in anticipation of possibly buying them as a used car in the future. See, that's not so bad, right? But now it's critical that you do this correctly, or you might end up having a pre-used car test drive failure, which is more commonly known as a new car purchase. You do not want to go test drive your future used car and end up buying the thing because you got too excited or you felt pressured to make a purchase. Look, dealers make buying cars easy, so be prepared for that. And how should you prepare? Well, there's a few things to keep in mind for a successful pre-used car test drive. First, start with the correct mindset. When you go out to do your pre-used car test drive, remember, you're not buying a car, truck, or SUV today. Your job is to take a test drive, pay attention to what you like and what you don't, take some notes afterwards, and most of all, have fun. If you're not having fun, what's the point, right? Next, make sure you look the part, and it starts by just feeling confident so you can look confident. The other thing is, you're not going to the Met Gala, so you don't have to wear a tuxedo or a beautiful gown. On the flip side, it's not a day at the lake cabin either, so leave the flip-flops and the faded t-shirt at home. You just want to wear something decent. Just look normal. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. But look the part. Another suggestion, bring a car that the dealer might want to take in on trade. Now, not everybody has a car like that to drive, but you know, if you've got a five-year-old SUV, those are things that dealers want. Right now, used cars are in short supply, so if you have access to something interesting, drive it to the dealer. And if they ask you if you're going to trade it in, just be sort of noncommittal. Say something like, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe. Oh, they're going to be like, oh, this guy, he's, he's going to trade that in, and I'm going to make some extra money. Keep in mind, they make a lot more money, typically, on a used car sale. If they give you $15,000 for it, they're probably going to put it out on the dealership lot after a little bit of cleanup and some detailing and charge twenty three to 25000 They can make eight grand on that car overnight. It's a real moneymaker for them. So, you know, don't underestimate the power of that. And it also keeps their mind occupied, so they're not completely focused on getting you to buy their new car. Another thing, make sure you do your homework beforehand. You're going there to look at a specific vehicle. 
So take the time to read through the specs on the manufacturer website. Read about the car, read about the truck, read about the SUV you're interested in. Find out the details about it. Then read reviews from trusted sources like car magazines. So when you show up at the dealer, you can ask specific questions about features you might like or issues you might be concerned about with the car. For example, I am not a big fan of the like the nanny systems in cars, the lane assist, the automatic braking. You want to make sure that that system's not overactive, too much of a nanny, you know. Don't do anything unsafe. Don't do anything bad. We're watching you. We're keeping an eye on you. If it's not too intrusive, it's okay. But if it's really intrusive, it's annoying. So you might want to know that beforehand. The other thing that gets me too is they take out important knobs and buttons to do simple functions and put that into a touchscreen. I won't buy a car that does too much of that. If I want to turn up the volume, I just want to reach for the knob and turn it up. If I want to adjust the heat in the car, the temperature, I want to be able to reach over and turn that knob. So there's a couple of things like that that are specific that I want to have not in a menu on a touchscreen because that's distracting, but on a knob on the dashboard. You may have your own thing that bothers you or you're interested in. So make sure you have some of those questions beforehand by doing the research. Another thing I suggest is to have an alternative car you might want to purchase. Now, obviously, you're not buying a car. You're just going to test drive. But they're going to ask you, well, what else are you looking at? Well, for example, if I was going to go out and look at a new Volkswagen GTI, and then they asked me, what else are you interested in? I would say, I'm also looking at the Mini Cooper S. I'm also looking at a Hyundai Veloster N. That's the turbocharged kind of sporty Veloster. Now, would I buy one of those cars over the GTI? No, not necessarily. I think the GTI might be a better choice. However, they don't know that. So that's what I would tell them. And that's kind of my get out of jail free card. So we get to the end of the test drive and they say, well, what do you think? You're ready to buy. Let's go. Come on. All I have to say is I'm not ready to make a decision yet because I still need to test drive two other cars. Again, you're not there to buy a car. You're just there to test drive a car you might buy in the future. Next, one of the most important things is the actual test drive. If you want to go on a long test drive. You want to go on a long, long test drive. Drive a combination of city streets, suburban areas. If you can throw in a little windy road, that'd be great. I know you're probably not out in the country, but every town has its little windy road. So try and find it. And definitely you want to get on the freeway. You want to spend some time on the freeway at speed, looking over your shoulder, checking for blind spots, hearing how loud the car is, get a sense for, you know, does it track straight? Definitely when you're on a side street somewhere and there's nobody behind you, do some heavy braking. Just feel what this car feels like, this truck feels like, this SUV feels like. So you get a sense of how it works in all sorts of conditions. Now, I would say one way to cover all your bases for what types of roads you want to drive on is to map out a route beforehand, before you get to the dealership. I'll find a dealership that I'm going to, and I'll try and find some roads nearby. Just looking at Google Maps, you can get that sort of satellite view and go, oh, that would be kind of interesting to go here and here and here. So I try to figure out kind of a general route beforehand. I also recommend you drive at least a half an hour, but I would drive for an hour if you can. If they'll just let you take it, just go. It's their gas. Who cares? (laughs) Go drive it. I've done that a few times. I've had dealers say, hey, take it home. Take it home. Come back in a couple hours. Okay. And so I do. I drive it home. I drive it up the road to my house. But in the driveway, I look at it. Yeah, Would I like this in my driveway? Yeah, I guess I would. Hmm. You know, sure I would. It's a brand new car. Duh. 
But you know, the point is, if you don't spend a lot of time in the car, you're not really going to get a sense of how it drives. And remember, this is for a future purchase. And if you can qualify that car now, you can say, yeah, you know what? I really would buy this in three to five years once it's depreciated a bit. And there are some nice examples on the used car market. Or you might say, you know what? This car sucks. I don't want it. Or eh, it's just okay. I'd rather buy something else. All right, well, you don't have to spend the next three to five years worrying about it or thinking about it or dreaming about it, right? You can just say, I'm done. Move on. Next. So go on a long test drive. I would definitely, definitely recommend that. And finally, you took the time to do the test drive. Make sure when you're done, write down your impressions of the vehicle you drove. Memory is a funny thing. The longer you wait, the less you're going to remember. So write it down immediately or take your phone and make a little video. Maybe take a video while you're driving. You know, if you have a friend that goes with you, have them videotape the whole experience. And you can talk while you're driving it. And you can say, hey, I like this. I really like this. I don't like this. This is kind of weird. And future you can look back on current you three to five years from now and say, oh, look at that. Old me really liked this car. Okay, well, I'm still in. I still like it today. Three to five years from now, 10 years from now, there's going to be enough information about that particular car through forums, through testing, various magazines or YouTube or whatever. People will have an opinion about that car, and there will be things about that car that we know that we can't possibly know now because they haven't been driven 20,000, 40,000, 80,000 miles. But that will happen in the future. If you love the car today and you still love it five years from now, then you're going to love to own it then. So this is a good reason to do this stuff. Now, which cars should you look at? Well, that's a great question, and I can't answer that one because I'm not you. I'm not you. You've got to pick out what you want. But I'll tell you about some of the things I'm interested in because there's actually some really nice cars that aren't super expensive, although everything is way too expensive in my opinion. As you know, this is a podcast about used cars, so it's funny that I'm talking about new ones, but I'll talk about them. So let's start with sports cars. There's three on my list that I'm interested in. So the first one I'll mention, it's not out yet. It's coming out relatively soon. And that's the 2023 Nissan Z. This is the redo, the sort of retro redo of the original Z car. And they've done a pretty good job of making it look like the early Z car, the 1970 through 73 240Z. They don't have a number for this. It's not the 300Z or the 370Z or whatever. They're just calling it the Nissan Z. A bit of a cop-out, but hey, whatever. I'm glad they're making the car. So this is going to be a twin-turbo V6 with 400 horsepower. It'll be available in a couple of different versions. There'll be a launch edition that's very limited. There's going to be kind of a high spec and a lower spec and some, you know, detail things that you can add to it. But manual transmission which is great. I think there's an automatic available too, but uh, I would only do the manual. That's the only way I would get this car. But with 400 horsepower, it's plenty of horsepower to have a really fun driving experience. So I'm looking forward to that one. This next one is really interesting to me. It's called the GR Corolla, and it's basically a rally car for the street. You may have read about a car that Toyota calls the GR Yaris. It's a four-wheel drive homologation rally car for the street based on Toyota's Yaris World Rally Championship or WRC Rally Racing Car. The GR Yaris is sold in Japan, Australia, Europe, but it's not available here in the U.S. And 
people have been pining for the Yaris to come over here because there's a lot of people who love that whole rally car driving experience. I personally do. And while we're not getting the Yaris rally homologation special here in the U.S., I think it's still super cool that Toyota is making and selling a similar U.S. vehicle in the 300-horsepower turbocharged four-wheel drive GR Corolla. And the timing is perfect, since rally-type specials like the Ford Focus RS and Mitsubishi's Lancer Evolution are no longer available here. Years ago, I owned a couple of rally homologation specials. I owned a 1988 Toyota Celica Alltrack Turbo, also known as the GT4 in Europe. I also owned a Mitsubishi Galant VR4, and I had that car for 16 years. That was a great car. Four-door sedan, but it came with four-wheel drive, four-wheel independent suspension, four-wheel disc brakes, four-wheel anti-lock, and even had four-wheel steering. It was a great car. Some people refer to the Galant VR4 as Evo Zero. It's sort of like the precursor to the Lancer Evolution uh, with the 4G63 turbo motor. Supercar. Just fantastic. Mine was slightly modified, so probably making about 225, 230 horsepower, something like that. But this car will have 300 horsepower out of a three-cylinder 1.6-liter motor and all-wheel drive, a sophisticated current-generation all-wheel drive system. It's going to be fun. And I think people are going to get in line. And I think dealers, unfortunately, going to be jacking the prices up on this. So it's definitely something you you may want to buy later if you don't want to spend new car money. I don't. But it's definitely a car that I would consider for later. So that's really an interesting one for me. And then the next one is really, I'm going to say it's two cars, but it's really one car. And this is the Toyota GR86, their sports car, and the Subaru BRZ. I'm not sure which one I would get. They're really the same car. There was a joint venture between the two companies to make these cars. The first-gen version of this has been for sale for a while, but they've been revised and updated, and they've solved the horsepower issue. It makes more power, and it had a flat spot in the torque in the mid-range of the car, which has been fixed as well. There's other things that have changed too, but they're just great, great sports cars. Excellent handling, tons of fun to drive. You know, this is a car you could take to the racetrack, and it would be fun. But driving this on the street, you can extract pretty much all of the performance out of it because it's not a ton of horsepower. I'm really looking forward to driving these. I might go to the Toyota dealer and drive the GR86, and I might go to the Subaru dealer and drive the BRZ. In fact, I probably will. I'll probably drive both cars because I think it's worth testing both and kind of seeing if there's any nuance difference to this not-so-sensitive driver. You know, if there is a difference, I might say, oh, you know what, the Toyota is better. Or, oh, the Subaru is better. Okay. But that's part of the reason you do a test drive like this. Next up, when it comes to SUVs and trucks, there's three that I'm interested in. The first one, I've wanted to drive this for a while, and there's just not enough availability. They're basically sold as soon as they show up at the dealership, and that's the new Ford Bronco. The word on the street is that they handle great on the road and off-road. I'm familiar with the off-road capability. There's a lot of stuff out on YouTube and the internet that you can find. And you can see how these things perform, and they perform great. So that's not really a question. For me, it's more about how is it kind of in day-to-day use. So getting a test drive would be perfect, at least in terms of determining whether I'd like that car in the future. I would prefer the short wheelbase two-door version versus the four-door. I don't need the extra carrying capacity. Having two doors and, and seats in the back is plenty for me. I'd be fine with that. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Also coming soon is the Mazda CX-50. 
It's a kind of a crossover sport utility vehicle. If you compare it to like a Mazda CX-5, the CX-5, I think, is a little bit taller at the highest point, but CX-50 is a little bit wider. I think it's a little bit better looking, and it's a competitor to the Subaru Outback. So it has those plastic-clad fenders on it, which I'm not a huge fan of, but, you know, they're functional. I get it. It's made to handle maybe a little bit more off-road environment. I don't know if that's really true. And honestly, for me, I don't need that sort of thing. I'd go more off-road adventures if I had the Bronco. But for the CX-50, it would be more of a you know gravel road, trailhead kind of a car. But still something I'd be definitely interested in. It looks great in their pre-launch video and pictures. I'd love to see the car up close. It seems like if it's anything like the CX-5, which is really a great SUV, this might be a really good option. So I'm looking forward to that. I'd like to test drive that. And then in terms of pickups, I don't personally need a big pickup, a full-size pickup. But I've been intrigued by Ford's Maverick, and I would like to drive it. It's really affordable. The only problem is you can't get them. They're completely sold out for the year. Their first year production was sold out. So obviously it's popular. I think part of that has to do with the price and also has to do with, you know, what you get for the money that you're going to spend. But I would be interested in that because down the road, three to five years, 10 years, whatever, it's going to be probably a really good used car buy. That's what I would predict. And I would like to drive one to see what they're like. As for cars, I'm looking at Japanese and German. Japanese would be the Honda Civic Si. I like the way it looks. I look at it and I think, is that an Accord? It looks like the size of a Accord from, say, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. You know, everything's getting bigger, right? They're going to have to come in with some new car below the Civic that's small to make up for what the Civic used to be because it's grown to become an Accord. And Accord has grown to become, I don't know what, giant. Unfortunately, the way of the world. But the Civic Si is a nice car, and it still comes with a manual transmission, which is a plus for me. I prefer a manual. Uh, My wife doesn't, but I do, so I'd still like to drive that and see what it's like. In terms of what other car I might get compared to that, uh, Mazda 3. The Mazda 3 is a great car. I mean, inside, it's very refined and almost sort of European. It seems like you got more and paid less. And Mazdas drive nice. They're made for drivers. They tend to handle well, so that would be a car I'd be interested in. Next, I would say the VW GTI. I mentioned that earlier. The GTI is new this year. It's, you know, yet another iteration of the GTI from Volkswagen. It's still a hatchback. I would prefer to have a wagon, frankly. In fact, the Golf R, which is the all-wheel drive version, is available in Europe as a wagon, which is really frustrating because, you know, why can't we get that here? Why don't we get it here? Well, because everybody likes crossovers and SUVs. That's all we get. Now, I know this is going to sound hypocritical since I just mentioned that I want to check out the Mazda CX-50, which is a crossover, but I think I'm going to barf if I see another crossover. I'm just done with crossovers. I'm just tired. We don't need any more crossovers. Car makers could stop building them today, and 10 years from now, there'd still be too many. Give us a wagon instead. because. That's what crossovers really are. They're wagons on stilts. If you lower them, they look better. If you lower them, they handle better. It's easier to get in and out. And if car makers still feel like they need to gaslight people to sell them a wagon, they can call them sport wagons. See? Problem solved. Okay, rant complete. I'll shut up now. So, another car I'd look at is the Audi S3. I like smaller sedans, a little bit of horsepower, and that one's got some poke to it. 
So that would be interesting. So those are some cars that I will look to test drive in the next 6 to 12 months. Finally, I want to talk about the electric vehicle category. To be honest, most of the stuff that I like in electric vehicles is too expensive. If I want a Model S Plaid Tesla, <laughs> you know, I have to come up with $120,000 or one hundred and forty or whatever it is. And then there's tax on top and all kinds of stuff. I'm not doing that. Come on. It's stupid. You know, it's a great car, but I'm just not going to spend that much money. And I'm assuming most of you aren't in that category either. So what is sort of affordable, quote unquote, affordable uh, in the electric vehicles that I would be interested in? I'm interested in the new Hyundai Ioniq 5. That's interesting to me. I'm not a big fan of this sort of folded paper origami, lots of angles design look that cars have these days. But they've done an interesting job with that sort of styling on the Ioniq 5. And it's fascinating. I'm okay with it. I would also like to take it for a drive, see how it works. Electric vehicles are great because they have all their torque like at zero RPM. They're real punchy. They just go. So I like that. Uh, another car that I would look at is the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Now, I hate the fact that they called this electric vehicle a Mustang because a Mustang's a Mustang. And this is something else. This should have been called the Maverick or, I don't know, pick a name, find something else. It's not a Mustang, but whatever. I guess they're trying to dilute the Mustang brand by doing this. But it is a really nice-looking SUV. It's won some awards. It seems to be a quality piece. Time will tell, of course. We'll see how it is in three to five years. And we'll also see how the value holds up on these things. But they have more range than some of the earlier cars, so that's nice. They don't have the range of some of the, you know, it's not like a new Lucid that goes like four or 500 miles. I think it's more in the 250 to 300 mile range, which is fine. That works for me. So those are some of the new cars, trucks, and yes, even a crossover or two that I might want to test drive over the next few months in an effort to determine if I might want to own them in the future as a used vehicle. The big question for you is, what do you want to test drive? You know, what sports car, what truck, what SUV, what EV do you want to go out and drive? Because if you think about it, it really isn't a crazy idea after all. Especially if it helps you sort out what you want, right? And frankly, it's a lot of fun to do a little window shopping for future you. So I'm giving you permission. Go do it. Go test drive some new cars. Go have some fun. It's okay. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to join me next week for another episode to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you love. Until then, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.